All right, happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to another Learning Tech Talks where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning technology, but you know what, we go we go way deeper than that. Uh, and today I'm joined by, and I'm never ever going to forget your name, by the way, Tej, because Tej, as we were talking through this backstage goes, it's like beige, but it's Tej, and I will never forget that. So Tej Mehta is joining me, he's from Multiverse, and we're gonna be talking about professional apprenticeships, which is, I think we said this backstage, that this is a topic, apprenticeships has been talked about more in the last year and a half than probably the last 40. So we're gonna dig into this because there is no shortage of misconceptions, misunderstandings, perceptions of what it is, and, and we're gonna try and break that all down and then talk about how Multiverse is really transforming the whole skill development. I mean, whatever, I'm not even gonna try and do it because you're gonna do a better job articulating it than I am. But before we get into it, as always, I love to get to know folks a little bit more and engage those of you who are tuning in live. So let's start with you, Tej. Why don't you let us know where are you located in the world today? And those of you who are watching, why don't you chime in on the comments as well? But let's hear it. Yeah, I, I'm based in New York right now. I'm actually sitting in the Multiverse offices. So you're in, okay, see, I wasn't sure if you had just an amazing home office setup or if you were in the office and I forgot to ask, although the vent in the ceiling might've tipped me off because I don't and know also that the that's the fact that home. I live in New York and, and, and this is not possible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you just have an amazing flat in New York type of a thing. Okay, so you're in New York in the office today. Now, is that a long commute for you? Do you travel much to get into the office? Uh, I, it's a, it's a 10 minute bike ride. So I just bike from my place oh, to yeah, bike perfect. ride. How long is that going to last with the weather cooling down though? Will you oh, do it I, in the snow? I do. I lived in Amsterdam you for about do. a year and a half and, uh, definitely less snow there, but I, I, I got good with, uh, biking in the cold with slick roads. So I'm hoping to keep it up. Okay. So I'm guessing is it, is it, you don't ride a road bike though, do you? It's uh, one of those bike sharing, like a city bike type bike sharing things. You just okay. pick it up from the oh, dock. Oh, okay. Else. See, look at yeah. this. Here, I'm assuming you have your own bike that you just, all right. Look Again, at you. New York apartment sizes. Can't, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See, this is, these are all lessons learned living in rural Wisconsin. I mean, not rural, but suburbs of Wisconsin, Milwaukee area. I don't worry about where I'm going to put my bike. So right. things that I don't have to think about. All right. I am in Milwaukee, as I always am, joined by my friendly houseplant, Fred. Uh, but let's switch gears into the icebreaker. You jumped on this one. You said, I know the answer to this. I, I Here I thought I'd give it to you early so that you had plenty of time to think about it, but you didn't even need the time. So let's hear what yours is. And again, folks who are watching, share your stories as well. I've got a good one too. But Tej, what did you get into the most trouble for with your parents as a child? Yeah, so this is a good one. Um, it's also just, yeah, it's ridiculous. I, this is when I go back to, I was probably eight, nine, 10 years old, so young. Uh, we just moved to the US and I was enrolled in these uh, uh, after-school math classes. It's called Kumon for, for folks okay. who, are, who, are, uh, who may be familiar, who are tuned in. And um, it, there was a progressively more and more difficult type of math that we had to do. At a certain point, I said, I don't wanna do this anymore, I'm tired. They gave us answer books so we could check our work to do our packets that we needed to complete. I straight okay. up used to just open that answer book, copy the answers and keep going <laughs> at a certain point. And okay. I got one day, my mom walked into me doing the homework. Oh, you got the busted book out with me writing it in. And I got absolutely busted. The punishment for me was, which at the time was just the worst thing that could happen to me was no TV for a month. And that, 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 that hurt. But, but yeah, that's, that's the wow. most trouble I got into as a kid. Okay. All right. So this is funny because there are some parallels here to our child, our childhood uh, shenanigans, because mine's actually a little bit different, but it relates in the sense that it was math and so kind of nerdy. And also, yeah. So here's mine. Uh, I was on the math team. I was a mathlete back in the day, if you can believe that. Yep. There you go. Um, we, we weren't terribly good though, at least competitive on the state level. And so I always being creative and focused on technology. I had this great idea because they always brought the test answers out to the, the lunchroom <laughs> when the math team was back in taking the tests. And I had this great idea. I thought, why don't we just radio them the answers? We've got two-way walkie-talkies. Like, just imagine what we could do. Not really thinking, I mean, whatever. I'm a kid. I didn't think of the implications of this. 
And so we did. I snuck into the bathroom with a friend of mine and I radioed the answers to the team, not realizing that they would literally get them all right. <laughs> and we we aced the test, which qualified for enough points for us to go to state like in the beginning. So this thing got blown out of proportion real quick. It's not like we just happened to win that one. We suddenly were on the track to go to state and all this stuff. And let's just say the whole thing blew up when one of the freshmen decided to rat on us and oh, no. how, how nobody figured it out anyway, the team that didn't do super well suddenly aced the test and qualified yeah. for state. Somebody had to be raising their eyebrows somewhere, but needless to say, I got in big trouble. I yeah. was suspended for quite oh, some time. No. And from a parent's standpoint, cause this was a question, parents, we had a trip to Disney World planned. And when my parents found out, no Disney. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We that canceled. Yeah. I know. So we lost we lost the trip to Disney. And to this day, I still have not been to Disney. That was like my one shot. It was like my one shot. And that's it. Now I'm, I'm probably never going to see Disney again because of this high school <laughs> tragedy where I where I committed fraud. You got you got to take the big family with you. You've got you've got six kids to show Disney World to. So you got to do it. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, you, you know what that would set me back to take yeah, six yeah. kids to Disney World right now? I'll have yeah. to start saving. Maybe by the time I retire, we can go. We'll see. We'll see. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's shift gears out of out of math shenanigans from our childhood days, and let's talk about professional apprenticeships. But a little bit about you. So you've been with you've been with Metaverse Multiverse for Metaverse. See, mm -hmm. I'm getting. <laughs> not not metaverse. I'm not having that conversation today. Oh. So you've been with multiverse for a while, but yeah. how did you end up getting into the? Is this is this what your career trajectory was? How did you end up over there? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, it it kind of starts uh, back to what I was studying uh, back in college. So I uh, my major in college was international studies with a concentration in comparative identity studies, really focusing on how people come together, break apart globally uh, as well as locally and thinking about what that actually means as far as how we can uh, uh, build more harmony between communities. So it was a super fun academic major to, to kind of dig into. But after I graduated, I, I went and, and I, I, I jumped into a job in strategy consulting uh, at Deloitte here in New York, which was okay. an awesome, awesome experience. Started here for a year, but then that uh, following um, summer after my first year, I actually had to leave the US. Um, mm -hmm. My parents and my sister and I moved to the country uh, 20 years ago, um, uh, almost, yeah, just a little, little over 20 years ago. And we, uh, by the time I graduated college, we still had not received our permanent residency um, uh, just because of the American system's a little bit slow and broken. Are you suggesting so, that it's broken? Yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> um, so I, I had to leave the country, left my, yeah. my, my, my parents, my sister back here in the U.S. and I had to leave, which was uh, a challenging experience. But I had a chance to move to Amsterdam with Deloitte, which was incredible. And that was definitely yeah. a silver lining of being uh, 23 and living in Amsterdam, which was which was just a ton of fun. But during my time there, I also began volunteering and work. It was at the height of the Syrian civil war. Uh, the, the refugee community uh, at, in Amsterdam was growing in the Netherlands more broadly day by day. And I thought, what can I do? How can I support this community? And began uh, 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 working uh, with them and helping with resumes, helping them find jobs and so on, uh, and really helping them find gainful employment. Okay. However, quickly recognized Many individuals were getting jobs, but they're far below their qualifications that the companies didn't really know how to, how to think about inclusion when it came to this population. It was just like survival work that was not actually valuable either for okay. the company or for the individual. So companies didn't really know what to do with these folks no. and they didn't really know how to fit into this new. And so it was just it was a exactly. hot mess. Exactly. Exactly. So I then look back at Deloitte. We have this diversity, equity, inclusion consulting practice said, why can't we create some sort of offering to be able to support these, uh, uh, this population? Uh, and okay. then through that also support these companies and then we make revenue out of it as a, as a business. So it was, it, was, it was an idea that was just born out, and, and then eventually started pitching around the firm. And finally, after a lot of pitching, ended up getting some funding to really focus on this and then built out uh, a, a, a white paper based on a lot of research and some work around okay. how companies can build a more inclusive workplace for uh, the refugee employees, which was a ton of fun. Eventually moved into Deloitte Social Impact Strategy Consulting Arm, focusing on questions like education, workforce development, and more. 
uh, and really began digging into this area, these topics, these questions uh, in, in more, more detail. Alongside that, always excited about the startup space, always excited about entrepreneurship and the hustle around it. And then one day, uh, Multiverse or White Hat at the time just popped up across my LinkedIn when my, 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 our, our current North American leader, Sophie Ruddick, put up a post on LinkedIn saying, hey, we're expanding to the US, hiring for this role. Okay. Happened to click into it, happened to just get- And just went, oh my goodness, this thing I've been trying to do forever and working on, there's a, there's a job in this. There's a job, there's a path to it, there's an exciting organization that's expanding. There's a company here. that there's does no nothing planner. but this. Exactly. <laughs> so I reached out to Sophie and then the rest is history. Okay. So then let's, so that context is actually really helpful because it also tells some of the story of when we talk about why does this matter or why do professional apprenticeships matter? What you just described is really laying the framework and the groundwork for, well, how is this solving a problem in the world? But let's talk about professional apprenticeships. I think it's important to define this because as I've said in some posts leading up to this, and just in conversations I have with people about this, People's definition and perceptions of apprenticeship is all over the map, all over the map. And I made a comment about it in, in a post earlier where I said, you know, a lot of people associate apprenticeships with the medieval days of yore and blacksmiths and, and masons <laughs> and things like that. But that is not what we're talking about, even though that's what a lot of people associate apprenticeships with. So how does how does multiverse define this or what are we talking about when we say professional apprenticeship? Yeah, absolutely. So when people think of the, you know, the blacksmiths of the, uh, of, of the past, and as we think of that, the model still holds. It's just- The model still holds. It. It's not like and, we're dumping the whole thing out. Right, Got it. right. It's bringing it into the 21st century and thinking about it in the context of the jobs of today. Effectively, a pr professional apprenticeships are an opportunity for uh, uh, individuals who are either starting their career or are already established professionals, an opportunity for them to build skills while earning a salary at the same time. So where okay. one does not need to be separating the learning from the doing, from the earning, it's finding a way to bring all those things together, not only to create opportunity for individuals to help them build the skills that they need, but also giving a chance for the employers of the world today to access those skills faster and capitalize on that value at an even faster clip. So where, the way it actually our model works, and I'll speak to it at a high level and I'm sure we'll dig into sure. it. Yeah, well, I'm but sure we will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> effectively, we, 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 we work with two different populations groups, as I mentioned. First is young adults who are starting okay. their career. And the second is established professionals who are already working in the companies that are out there. Um, and the idea is these individuals get onboarded onto a 12 to 15 month program, depending on the track that they're going down, it could be software engineering, data analytics and data science, uh, business administration, digital marketing, and so on, where they are uh, actually trained in a classroom-based setting during the course of their job, but immediately after having an opportunity to apply that those skills that they're learning onto real projects of work. So a truly applied learning approach to working, where they're learning the skill, applying that knowledge and going in, 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 in basically repeat over the course of the program as they're building more and more foundations and growing over time, depending on the track that they are in. Okay. So in some ways, in some ways, because initially I had a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago and they go, oh, well, it's kind of like an internship. And I said, mm. uh, kind of, but not really, because the challenge with an internship is an intern just gets kind of punted out of the development. It's kind of like, here, go do your thing. And, and they're kind of left on their own. Because if you talk to interns, some interns have great experiences, some have terrible experiences, and there's not necessarily a whole lot of structure to it. So I said, I, I wouldn't really say a professional apprenticeship is like a paid internship in, in that regard. Is that fair? Very, very fair and, and absolutely spot on. I would say a professional apprenticeship is also vastly different than the best and most structured of internships that are out there. A big part of it is because internships happen at a point in time where you are here, you're coming in for a couple of months, yeah. three months, maybe you're working part-time, maybe you're working full-time, but it's this point in time where you, where you do some good stuff, potentially, maybe, you learn a couple of things. Maybe depending on the structure, there's no guarantee, right. honestly. Right. And then you roll out of there and then maybe you go back into your final year of schooling and so on. So maybe you picked up a few things, but what value did you actually gain uh, that is going to really help you carry it forward? And how much support did you get around it? Not a ton. 
the professional apprenticeship model that Multiverse has envisioned is not only a 12 to 15 month track where you actually have the opportunity to dig and really learn and really reinforce those skills on a very iterative and repetitive basis, but you're also supported by a Multiverse coach who is okay. your teacher, who's teaching you the skills, the technical skills, who's teaching you durable skills, so communication, leadership, growth, how to work, everything, and is also supporting you in a real one-on-one -on -one setting to enable you, set, help you set your goals and really grow over time. That kind of support is usually reserved for senior executives and big companies from all these professional coaches. Yeah. We're not the giving these to 18, 19-year-old individuals, young adults who are really starting on the right track from the beginning. So let me let me dig into this because this is actually yeah. going to steer the conversation in another way, um, because we talked about how this is almost the modernization of what people may think of in in traditional apprenticeships, which apprenticeships are still happening a lot in trades today. A lot of people Absolutely. will say, hey, you know what? It still is happening today. It's not necessarily just a days of your thing, but it's often not associated with corporate. I would say corporate. I don't like to say professional because you can be professional in the trades too. Absolutely. It's more of the corporate type roles. But so my question is this, is this also then in some ways uh, a modernization of traditional higher education as well? Because higher education, I think in some ways was thought to be what this should be, which you go to school, you figure out all these skills. And then when you're done, then you go off to work but as companies have found, you don't necessarily come with the actual skills you need to do the job. So is in some ways, is this an alternative for people to college or is it an augmentation? Where do you fit in that category? The word alternative is the right word. That is that okay. is at the heart of our mission is Multiverse is focusing on creating a, the diverse group of future leaders by building this outstanding alternative to, to, to university, to college, okay. to corporate training and so on. So it very much is a, uh, a, a modernization is one way of looking at it, a real, just a different approach to thinking about how we educate the next generation of leaders. Um, because at, at the heart of it, you know, a uh, uh, study a few years ago noted that household earning are a better predictor of long-term success over one's career than where one went to college. That college yeah. is- I believe even, that. Even folks who are going to college, even folks who are coming, coming through the university system, are still not reaping the value that they were promised when they actually entered the system in the way that they expected. And now, no, nor are the employers that they're looking that that are looking to hire college graduates reaping that value as well. And then, even if you take a step beyond that, that degree requirements for folks who cannot actually access opportunities screen out. Uh, it's it's seventy four percent of Black Americans, eighty one percent of Hispanic Americans. It screens out so many people from the process um, that that first there's an access problem. But even for those who get access, there's no, there's not the value that they were promised is not is not getting out. So, very much an alternative is what Multiverse is looking to build and is building. Okay, okay. So, well, and this is a big conversation that I know a lot of companies are having right now, where they're saying, you know, for a long time, and and many still are there. The college degree was the the you know whatever the barrier to entry. It was the golden crest of well, if you don't have a college degree then you can't get this job. So there has to be no shortage of challenges then for kind of overcoming this. And I know a lot of organizations are dealing with this, but higher education and the college degree is, is a bit of a sacred cow, especially in, in certain countries, certain areas. So how, how are you working with that? Because you can't just say, hey, we're going to do professional apprenticeships without tackling that. Because if that's still a barrier to entry, you as a company have to rethink that. Absolutely. So we are, and, and that is a big part of how we also engage in our conversations. But one of the real incredible things that's been happening, the way the world is moving, even in the US where college is such a core part of the culture and the narrative, is that companies are dropping degree requirements left, right, and center for opportunities okay. and roles across the board. So for example, one of, uh, so Multiverse is, is, a, is one of the founding talent providers for a coalition called uh, 110. 110 is a, is, a, is a group of companies, some of the largest companies in the world uh, who have come together, uh, uh, arranging, yeah, who've come together to focus on creating opportunities for, for uh, 1 million black Americans over the next 10 years, focusing on, on placing them into family sustaining, uh, into, into roles with family sustaining wages, uh, and also roles that have pathways and, and, uh, towards career progression over time. 
And the focus is, is on individuals who do not have four-year college degrees. So the companies that have signed on to that coalition have already agreed that for, for the purpose of this, to, to not think about the degree requirement as a barrier to entry for so many of these opportunities and so many of these roles. So the narrative is changing. The narrative has changed and it is shifting day by day to the point where degree requirements are not uh, uh, as much of a barrier, as much of a requirement anymore um, for, for, for roles across the board. Okay. Okay. Well, and in, in this sense, because I'm curious just how how this is playing out, because uh, I agree with you. And, and what's interesting about this conversation is there have been, I, I think, in conversations in general, it's not it's not a new concept that people are going, well, you know, a college degree doesn't necessarily tell us whether or not somebody's going to be successful or effective in a job. Yet for a very long time, we we've said that, we've known that. Yet when it was like, well, then let's drop it as a requirement, everyone went, wow, I mean, mm. we can't do that because that would just be craziness. And you go, well, but you just said that it's not an effective valuation of whether or not someone will be successful in the role, yet we're still holding on to it as though it is. How, you, you've said the narrative has changed and the conversations have changed. What are you seeing that's contributing to that? I'm curious because- like I said, the idea that, well, the college degree doesn't tell us necessarily whether someone will be successful, that's not a new conversation. But the idea of taking action against that and saying, so let's actually drop the requirement then if we know that, that to me I am seeing come into light more often. Yeah. it's The heart of it is that companies don't really have a choice, that if they continue sticking with this because of some of the, and I'll, I'll dig into some of the patterns that we're seeing, that they're going to lose over the long term if they're if they're not thinking differently about talent uh, at the heart of it. So, you know, we frame up our thinking in three different areas: uh, capacity, credibility, uh, 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 capacity, capability, and diversity. Where companies are three of companies' biggest problems today when it comes to talent, but also just business objectives and growth as a whole. Where, from a capacity perspective, they're not finding enough incredible talent in the market today to fill all the open roles and the needs that, that, that are there, that you know the great resignations happening, people are leaving, their roles left, right, and center, and that they're not actually, uh, uh, there aren't enough people filling all of these roles out there. From a capability perspective, it is now, even if we find willing people ready to work, is there a challenge? There's the digital and tech skills are just, there's, there's not enough people who have the skills that are necessary to fill yeah. the tremendous amount of need that is there among companies, large and small. And then, and then finally, from a diversity perspective, is even if, even if you can find people, even if you can find people with the right skills, often, most of the time, the, the diversity challenge is one that is very real and one that companies are looking to address right now. That actually being able to work across these three challenges and address them, which are all of equal and high importance for senior leaders and boards across the, uh, across the country, it, it's all, there is no choice. And, and what our belief yeah. is that multiverse is is the only provider right now in the market that could actually get to all of these three challenges uh, for companies okay. at the same time. Well, and and I think this is a there's an important factor. And then a, a comment came in that I want to make sure I clarify uh, what we're talking about because otherwise it's going to leave. P and it's probably my fault that the mis <laughs> the misunderstandings here. But this point with I know a lot of companies and just organizations have focused on okay. So since we know the college degree, and, and this is just the perception, well, we know this college degree is a thing we got to tackle. So how do we get more people to get college degrees? And to me, where you've said, well, that might be the wrong path or the wrong question to be asking is the challenge with that is a college degree takes a long time to do. We've already said it doesn't necessarily adequately prepare you for the thing. So it's almost in some ways like we've been trying to break, we've been trying to fix something that was beyond broken and say, well, how do we make this work? Where what you're saying is, well, why don't we just skip the whole thing and say, if we know that experience and on the job development with coaching along the way is what actually gets you a job ready person, let's just jump straight to that instead of trying to fix the old broken system. Is that And within, that a, within a matter of months, not years. Well, and, and with a skill standpoint, that piece is critical because a lot of folks are saying, well, we need these skills. We need these skills. You can't wait for two years, two, four, six years for somebody to complete a full education for something where you may need somebody in, in a few months. Yeah. 
Exactly. Okay. So the so the point of clarification, I want to make sure I clarify yeah. this because this is going to go to the next piece. So, boss. Good question, because I said metaverse in the beginning, and then I clarified multiverse. So let's make sure we're, we're clear on what we're talking about, because everybody's talking about the metaverse right now with what's going on with Facebook and, and Microsoft. We're not talking at all about VR, immersive tech, anything like that. The name happens to sound something similar to metaverse, but it's multiverse, and it's really about professional apprenticeships. So let's actually break down what this actually looks like to help folks who may go, okay, professional apprenticeship, I kind of get it. We talked about the fact that you have got a certain target audience of folks as an alternative to pursuing a college degree, you would say, hey, rather than that, why don't you consider a prof professional apprenticeship with multiverse? What would that look like? And let's talk about it first from the end user, from the experience, what, what are they experiencing? And then let's talk about it from the business side. The experience of the apprentice. Yes. Awesome. Uh, uh, let's hone in on the young adult population uh, here. Okay. And, and it is the established professional population is, is similar with, with, with one caveat. So there, 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 there are a few stages to the journey. First is how we find uh, the candidates who okay. are going to be our apprentices. So we have, we have our outreach and our marketing team that are out there building deep, deep, deep community partnerships with schools, nonprofits. Because uh, I'm guessing this, I'm guessing your target audience isn't folks, they just got their like college acceptance letter and they're like, you know what, maybe not Penn State, I'm going to go do this. That's not necessarily who, who you're trying to find. Not necessarily, but one of the most exciting moments, uh, it was about probably two months ago, we got an email from a dad who basically he said, my son, this is his SAT score. This is where he's applying to college. But I genuinely want to have a conversation with all of you if multiverse and apprenticeship is an alternative, which was just like one of the most powerful signals that we had. That That's amazing. Really, yeah. Yeah. It was, we were very happy as a team when we got that email. I'll be that parent, uh, by the yeah, way. I will perfect. be that parent. Six kids. I'll be like, uh, I don't know. I think there might be a more efficient way to do this. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, definitely. Um, but effectively, so we build those partnerships um, with all these organizations, as well as, you know, traditional marketing things, especially things like TikTok, where we're able to engage and connect with the, with the, with okay. with the young audience out there. Um, trust me, I'm not putting up any of the TikTok videos. We have an incredible... <laughs> if, you, if, <laughs> if I put anything out there, we'd be done. We'd be sunk as a business in, in, in a week. Um, but effectively, so these, we make individuals aware of it. That, that, you know, apprenticeships are an opportunity. Okay. It's a pathway. You can consider that, that college have. doesn't have to be the only possibility. It exactly. doesn't have to be either. I just take a, a entry level, you know, kind of uh, minimum wage job and that's what I'm doomed to. Or I have to try and pursue a college degree. You're, you're reaching those folks saying, hey, there's option C. Exactly. Exactly. And a key part of it is also building that trust that, you know, sometimes we get emails and questions like that. Is this real? This seems too good to be true. Oh, I'm sure. True, yeah. I'm sure. Like it goes against the grain of like yeah. everything going back to the narrative that we've built in some ways this country on where it's like, what are you really trying to do? Exactly. Exactly. So that's why really partnering at the local level helps us get to that point okay. of trust. So effectively candidates are made aware. They then come, we have a platform that they can apply into. And effectively, okay. they, we basically, once they get past a couple of eligibility questions, they enter multiverse's admissions process, okay. where there, there are a few different steps, depending on the track, it varies slightly. But generally speaking, um, we always like to speak with them. So we give them a welcome call saying, welcome to multiverse. Here's what we're all about. Okay. We actually have an apprentice on our team, Alec, who is absolutely incredible. He, is, he went through the process himself. Uh, okay. And then now he's also uh, reaching out to the candidates and helping them really understand what they're signing up for, what the journey looks like, and so on. But effectively, they which I'm going to pause you there because I think get, get used to that because I, I tend to yeah. do this a lot. <laughs> but I think that's an important piece because I can see people having a misperception that there isn't like still some rigor behind figuring out who's going to come into the. It's not just a free for all like, yeah, you want to go work at you know these companies. Sure. Come on in. We'll just take you type of a thing. You're still actually working with these folks to say, hey, we need to we need to figure out what you're. You know, what your capabilities are, what you're trying to do. Are you a good fit for this? It's not just a free-for-all yeah. from what I'm hearing you describe. Absolutely. Uh, 100% with the caveat of we are, we're, we're 
we're not looking for prior experience. We are looking for people right. who have not right. worked in professional roles that they're really starting out their careers. But but the idea of fit, we we do as we do a behavioral phone kind of interview with them, ask them to those questions. We have a set of core competencies by which we assess these individuals. Yeah, these that, really that makes sense. You're not right. saying like it's a great start as an alternative to the university. You just have to have seven years of professional right. experience right. under right. your belt to do exactly. it. Like, no, that's not exactly. it. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Our goal in this process is really assessing for potential. That do you have? Okay. Are you excited, eager, ready to jump into this opportunity as a as, as a next step in, in your pathway? So we have an incredible admissions team that really focuses and engages each candidate and really supports them through the journey. The candidates also create a profile on Multiverse's uh, platform where they, they they upload a video, who they are, introduce themselves, they tell us they answer a few prompts. It's kind of like a LinkedIn profile, but our version of yeah. it. Um, if they've done any prior projects that they want to showcase, uh, they upload those projects into the, into the platform. So really, it's the profile because we don't do resumes. We do our multiverse profile. Yeah. Well, because a resume would be kind of pointless at this yeah, point. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> On the other side of the market, we, we engage with our, with our employer partners and we identify apprenticeship roles. So let's say X company wants to place 20 software engineering apprentices um, uh, this quarter. So what we do is we then, uh, the, the, the roles come in from the employer side. We have job descriptions for these roles. We then have a pool of a candidates who are approved, multiverse approved in our platform. Okay. And then begins the matching process where right. the candidates are, they, they, they get a chance to apply for those roles. It's not like a whole write a 10 page cover letter and come tell us about why you're the best person in the world. It is fill out a quick prompt, show that you intend to apply to this. And then we, do some pre-screening. We look for the best fit for the role and everything and eventually match, let's say 20 opportunities. We match 30 profiles with the employer. Then the process begins of one, prepping the candidate for the interviews that are about to come, help them get ready, help them feel comfortable. Many have never gone through a professional interview yeah. process. Well, yeah, really based on the through. audience you've described, this is not gonna be familiar territory. Exactly, so really make sure that they feel ready and comfortable and, and are good to go. And on the other side with employers, uh, we also prepare the employers to think about what is an inclusive interviewing process for working with, with candidates that you've okay. never worked with before. We actually do a recruitment workshop. We coach them through this as well and really get to this point of everyone understand what's about to happen. Then let's kick it off. You're and setting expectations on both sides because exactly. I can see on both ends if you didn't do that this could fall apart because again, you'd either have candidates who were completely ill-prepared for what we were walking into, or you'd have employers that have false expectations or ex unrealistic expectations of what's on the other side, or they're just doing what they've always done. And then they go, well, this doesn't work very well. So I can see where that component is critical on both ends, not just one. Exactly, absolutely spot on. Then, then the onus really is, it becomes like, like, an, like, a, like a job process, like an interview process okay. that the companies have with their candidates. They decide, let's say, you know, 30, 30 20 roles, 30 candidates that they, that they decide to interview and they pick their 20 and they, they hire them. And that's the start. So then the, the, the folks that weren't hired, we, they don't just go, okay, bye-bye, you're done. They come back okay. to our pool. They come back into the pool. And we capture feedback also from the interview process that then we okay. use to coach the candidates and, and, and help them get ready for the next one. So it is, it is very much that once you enter multiverses candidate pool, you're part of the family. You're part of the group. And you're now part of the multi. Okay. The right so once you're accepted in, you're part of it regardless. It's not like, sorry, you didn't work for you to get this thing. You're out of the program. See you later. You're, you're exactly. just continuing to prepare them for whatever other opportunities are going to come up down the road. Exactly. That's exactly it. So let me and, ask you this part in yeah. this, because we're still yeah. on this vetting process. Exactly. And I, another question came in that is, is actually really relevant for this. But let me ask this one first, because... So you, you, the involvement of the company in the vetting, I can imagine going, I mean, you can set expectations on this, but a lot of times <laughs> hiring managers may not always be super realistic in their expectations for what they're looking for type of a thing. And their own personal biases can radically cloud their ability to actually say, do, do you ever run into it where you bring 30 in and they just go, nope, none of these work. And you have to go, um, hey, you're thinking about this the wrong way. We need to have a conversation because this, this isn't how it works. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it is very much, it, it, it can easily happen. It is not, okay. luckily, because we have been so intentional about prepping okay. every party. Um, yeah, well, I can it, see why that's such a critical role. Otherwise, you'd run into that in almost every situation. Exactly, exactly. It, it has not happened that much. But one of the things we, but, you know, as we learn, as we continue to grow, we've also been thinking about, it's not only about prepping the recruiting team that is actually going to engage with the profiles. It's also about prepping the hiring managers and everybody really that's going to be engaging, interacting, evaluating the candidate. So hence the, the need for this kind of recruitment workshop where the 10, 15 odd people that are going to be involved with this really sit and engage with their team and actually think through tactically what this will look like in practice. So that's that's very much at the heart of how we need to approach it. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and again, going back to this, and this is probably a message for hiring managers just as much as anything else, because as, as a learning professional, I run into this all the time where everybody recognizes, oh, we have this skill gap. We need to fill the skill gap. And when you say, okay, to fix that, we need to take some time and energy to allow people to grow the skills to do this. A lot of times it's met with, well, I don't want it. I just want it to be done. And, and I can see that with, you know, a candidate going, well, you're saying that they're going to have to learn. I want somebody who's ready to go. So going back to that expectation setting of, well, no, you're going to get, you're going to get your value out of this, but it's not going to look and feel like what you think. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. So before we continue, the question boss asked, which is another good one is, so we talked about kind of candidates being the, you know, young, young adults just coming out uh, as an alternative to college. Does this, would this also potentially as a candidate pool, some of these return to workforce candidates, like people who may have been out as stay-at-home parents or caregivers, and now they're looking to get back in. I'm also thinking like career transitions. That is tough for some folks who go, I don't really like what I do. I want to go into something else, but I have no clue how to actually get a job and I can go apply to jobs, but nobody's going to consider me because they're going to go, well, I don't want somebody who's never done this before. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a fantastic question. Uh, so as of today, multiverse doesn't work with the reskilling population. Okay. Uh, uh, but but there's there, the model can very much apply uh, okay. to that population for sure. Okay. Okay. Got it. So let's pick this back up because now we're talking about the vetting, the expectation setting. We go through this interview process. So they're still in the family whether they land here or not. But let's say it does. It does pan out. Now, what does that look like as they go into an organization? Is it, you know, here you go, here's your candidates. Yeah. We've filled luck. the roles. No. Good <laughs> luck. Yeah, no, the, uh, the, the, the exact opposite. So alongside all of this also, we, 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 we call it our launch process. You know, the other side of this, apprenticeships as a talent model are new to these to, to, to companies. Yeah. So we also need to make sure the companies are set up for success when it comes to this. And we think about, okay, what are the different components? How we think about, you know, everything ranging from uh, 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 benefits to, to HR processes, to technology, all of these little nuances and nitty gritty really partner with the, with the HR uh, teams in each company to make sure that we're all aligned on expectations. That also rolls alongside this. But finally, let's say someone started on their job. Uh, they, they got accepted into their, into their apprenticeship. They made it to the background checks. Offer letter has been signed all done and dusted, then comes now day one. So let's say day one is going to be uh, Monday, December 13th. Let's say, because we're going to have a day one right. coming up Monday, December 13th. So <laughs> top of mind. Um, day one is Monday, December 13th. So what the way the way that we run this, and this is it's a little bit different for established professional ones, so the folks who are already in the company, but if you're starting and you're joining the company fresh, you spend Monday and Tuesday with your organization, doing the HR, IT, et cetera, onboarding related activities. Okay, yeah, all the orientation where we get you into the company. Exactly, really get into it. And then on Wednesday begins three of the most exciting days of the program, which is Multiverse's Flying Start. And it's effectively three days where led by their coaches, they're with their cohorts of all of the other apprentices. And by the way, we run our cohorts, um, we both run single company and then multi-company cohorts. So single, okay. if, you, if you bring on 10, 15, 20 apprentices um, uh, at once. You Your company may have a dedicated cohort. Exactly. But if not, if you were to get But two, if not, you three, might four, be mixed together with four. some other folks. Yeah, which is really exciting. Which actually I think is beneficial because you're yeah. getting people with cross, you're cross-pollinating. And also for the, for the apprentices themselves, being able to really build those relationships yeah. across com- companies and across parts of the country. Is really building powerful. a professional network as well. So, exactly. so yeah, uh, there's one final part of this model that I've not spoken to the community, which is which, which I think you'll you love, but I'll get okay. to it in a second. So, 
they go into their flying start. Coaches are there. They're, they're getting them excited, getting them hyped. Um, uh, two words that we love to use at Multiverse, hype and delight. Hype and delight is a big part of how we like to you know, think like about it. the apprentice experience. Um, and during that time also the, the, is, is, is a period of what we call durable skills training. We're also helping the, the apprentices kind of start on the journey of what is it? You're entering a professional environment. What's it going to be like? What are some expectations around meetings and setting calendar invites? All of these things that like, you know, it's just it's second nature to, to, to some people, but not to a lot of people. Well, I'm going to jump on that in a sec, but I'm going to let okay. you finish. Please. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, then, and then so we go into the flying start and then effectively then on Monday, this is where it depends on the actual track and the program that they're on. So okay. for some of our programs like software engineering, which are you know deeply technical, the apprentices go right into a boot camp where they are okay. not doing, they're still salaried this entire time they're salaried, but they're not working with their managers, not working on their company, not working on their job. They're actually going through multiverses bootcamp where okay. like any other bootcamp provider out there, but in a different way, we are actually with them the whole time. You're doing we're, we're, it we're focused, training. yeah. Exactly. And and they have a thing they're shooting towards, not exactly. just, hey, you got this boot camp thing, good luck with it. Exactly. And then for those that don't have a boot camp, they start immediately, effectively, they start on their job on the Monday okay. with their managers, with their teams and everything. And the whole part of this is that they need to be feel embedded as a part of the culture of the team, that they're not just, you know, this individual. Right, I'm the, in. I'm the random, like, apprentice that's coming exactly. in that doesn't really feel like they're part of the team. Exactly, exactly. And, and and a part of how we also do that right before the start of the program, we also run manager orientation sessions. So after the hiring piece to get set expectations of managers about what is it like to work with an individual, uh, like an apprentice, what are some best practices and so on. So we also make sure we set that up in the right way on the other side. But anyways, they start on the job or they go into their boot camp, but effectively over the, over the, after they all start on the job, over the course of the 12 to 15 months of their program, they are uh, uh, they, they, they have, they're doing projects on the job, which we call professional practice. So actually doing the work yeah. and really building themselves out. They're also going into different modular trainings month by month, depending on the program. Okay. So let's say you're in a software. So you're structuring this whole experience for them. Exactly. They have one monthly one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions where they really talk about goal setting, expectation setting with the coaches and the apprentices. There are regular progress reviews that include the managers and the coaches and the apprentices together to really talk about growth and everything. So it is it is as managed of an experience and as a service as possible. Okay. So, so one last part things. of the yeah, Sorry, go, for yeah go for it. Go for no, 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 go for it. <laughs> one last part of the experience, which is as what I referred to earlier, which is multiverse's community. So every apprentice that has ever been through multiverse, the five thousand plus apprentices that we've had between the U.S. and the U.K. today, are all part alumni of the, group. Yeah. Right. <laughs> are all part of this dedicated multiverse community where they it's 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 an offline and online community we have a community hub that we set up where there are events speaker events mentorship opportunities okay. support opportunities networking opportunities for them to really build these connections and get those benefits that people who go through college get from just being on campus but really replicate those at, at the heart and and what we've seen is apprentices who are more engaged in the community are Do more likely to finish their programs, more likely to succeed over the course of their post-program post, okay. post work, and so on. Well, and I think, so then I'll jump back to the other two, but that piece is, you know, a lot of times you talk to folks and say, what did you really get out of your college experience? And in many ways, that's a big part of where they go, well, that actually was the most valuable piece is the relationships I built, the people I ended up connecting with, so that when we went off and did our thing, we actually did all this. So that component from a sustainability standpoint is also democratizing access to what may have been limited and restricted to the, you know, the, the small percentage of folks who could afford to go to an elite school. And, but even that there was no guarantee. And, and it sounds like it's similar there. There's no guarantee that it's what you're going to get out of that, what you put into it. If you choose mm -hmm. to just do your own thing, ignore it, well, you're not going to get the benefit of that versus if you really engage in that, you're going to get the benefit and build that network that way. Okay. So the two things that I want to go back to though, on the experience piece is you talk, and this is, this is a message to learning leaders, because I think this is something we often make the assumption of, and it's a miss. I'm dealing with this right now with the project is this idea that you talked about when they first come into the organization, you talk about, you know, how do we how do we run meetings? How do we do these kinds of things? And a lot of times I would say when employees are new to an organization and we talk about onboarding, we just blitz over that all the time. We just assume everybody knows how to do these things. And while they may have some baseline knowledge, 
the way an organization runs culturally is very, very, very different. And so just because, well, I came from another company, I know how to, you know, do this. Do you though? I would say you probably don't. And in many regards, as you look at the numbers and the stats on people who are new to an organization, there's a reason 90 day turnover is often an opportunity for areas because people come in and go, I'm in the middle of the ocean. I'm supposed to swim to shore. I was given all the supplies to build up camp, but I don't even know where shore is or how to swim there or whether I'm even on the right track. And I'm, I've been actually doing a lot of work to try and push people to step back and go, are your people actually prepared to be successful in a new role? I would say in many regards, we do not prepare them well. And that's something that I just think as I'm hearing you talk about that any learning leader could look back on and say, how are we actually preparing people for success in this org? Whether you're coming in as an exec or a frontline worker, it doesn't matter. There are still a lot of things that we assume people know how to do and they may know how to do it, but they may not know how to do it here or when to do it or what some of the nuance is. And I think that's an important piece that that it sounds like you're really taking an effort to do that for folks so they're successful versus just going, all right, yeah, you took a bunch of trainings on how to have have a meeting. Right. Well, that's not going to help you be good. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and the key thing is reinforcing behaviors over the course of the program and beyond where if there's certain things that are missing that they're not able to grow in, that's where the coach's role is so important, where they're really helping build and grow that out and really think about, okay, how do you think about, I mean, prioritizing tasks is complicated for some, I, I'm terrible at it. I have no idea how to prioritize my tasks. <laughs> and so like it is, it is, how do you actually got continue coaching, guiding, pushing? Right. It's so important. Well, and that's not just for people who are just out of high school or whatever, looking to go into the workforce. And that again, goes back to organizational culture. Exactly. I've worked for companies where, Hey, if messages come from this group of people, you need to act on that. Other organizations are, Oh yeah. When you get messages from this group of people, don't, don't do anything with it until you hear it for like the fourth time, because that's just the way the culture is here. This group just, they, they have ideas, but we don't really do anything until we know, oh, this is actually, pro-. and those things can make or break even a seasoned professional in an organization. So the other question I have for you that is related, that again, has broad implications for anybody considering, because to me, this is how do you help people be successful in an organization? And you're doing it to a different population in a very robust hands-on way, but I think the implications go much further than that. A lot of times I just think of experiences I've had when you're bringing someone new into an organization, let's just say there can sometimes be a tendency for the leaders or the organization to kind of set it and forget it type of a thing where it's like, ah, yeah, we got this person. And I can almost see there being a risk that because of how hands-on multiverse is with this, people may say, yeah, I don't really need to be engaged. Now you hinted at that in the sense you said managers are involved in that process, but how do you ensure that they don't just kind of come in and they're left to their own and everybody's just counting on you to do everything? Cause that, that's not going to lead to long-term success. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. So, so the manager orientation and onboarding part of it is, is incredibly, incredibly crucial part of the journey. So I mentioned earlier on that we actually, we first talk about inclusive hiring practices with the managers who are, of course, who are going to be doing the interviewing way back on. And then right around the time of them starting their apprenticeship program, we also dig into a manager orientation session. Now, this is a lot of different components. Part of it is, all, part of it is just more general. How do you work with, you know, a, a, an individual uh, that you may not have worked with before? Uh, how do you think about, you know, setting an apprentice up for success? What are some of the best practices around it as well? But the, the other part of it is also kind of laying out the cadence by which managers will be engaging with multiverse uh, 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 and, and kind of the support that we provide, but laying yeah. out the expectation that we're not going to be there for every single thing. If there are things that you need you know, support, like, of course, comp, like there are manager office hours, they can come in and drop in, they can ask any questions and so on and so forth. But the responsibility, the onus of, for example, laying out, uh, uh, raising priorities in terms of what needs to happen and get delivered is between the apprentice and the manager not with the coach. The coach guides okay. the apprentice okay. to do that. But so you're being crystal clear on these ex- expectations that it's yeah. like, hey, we're here to help, but you are the one that yeah. is owning this. 
And a key touch point that actually sets that up is, is what we call a launch meeting, which happens within the first couple of weeks of the apprentice starting in their position. And that's when the apprentice, the manager, and the coach get together, they sit down and actually define these expectations, talk about these rules, really get clear about it. And then really the managers and the coaches don't really meet on a regular cadence until the following quarter. That it is, it is the, 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 the apprentice and the coach meet monthly and then regularly through the training sessions and everything on top of that as well. But the manager and the, and the coach are not, they're not always regularly in touch. It is really up to the, 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 the uh, combination of all three parties to figure out exactly how they're going to work together to drive success. Okay. And so do you then work with the leaders? Because here's the other thing that I've seen. And, and again, I'm fascinated in how you're doing this. In fact, anybody who's watching this in L&D or listening to it, the, there are so many underlying connections to this that apply across the board. This is not just specific to this. This is really, to me, specific to any sort of employee transition, whether they're new to an organization, whether they're moving from role to role. I mean, there, there are massive implications across the board. But with this piece, um, in my experience, not all managers are necessarily super clear on what they need from their people. To me, this is one of the biggest challenges that I think we saw contribute to younger generations coming into the workforce in the last 18 months. They were struggling because it was kind of like, here's your job, go be successful. And these folks are like, okay, but what is successful? Like, what does that actually look like? I have to imagine you run into it where managers, I mean, they're hiring software engineers, they're hiring some of these other folks, but how do you help make sure they know what is the nuance and specific functional stuff that you're working towards? Because you can't possibly take all that on. You can't possibly take all that on. Yet at the same time, they may not necessarily always be crystal clear on that. So how do you help make that happen? Great question. So it, this is particularly uh, relevant when it comes to our more technical tracks like software engineering. Yeah. Because you're learning as you're going. And the matter that you got to have something to, to learn on. <laughs> exactly. So at the start of the program, um, for all of our programs, uh, we have de our delivery plans. So really a full mapped okay. out schedule of everything okay. that the apprentice okay. is going to be so learning. Blueprint. Blueprint. Month by month uh, over the course of the program. It's all written out. The apprentices get it. The managers get it. Everyone gets it. So they all can see that as, as the pathway. That's, that's, that's a big part of it. The, in addition to that, what we also provide are these um, uh, work project examples. So basically, if you okay. think about, okay, this month, okay. the apprentice is learning X. Here are the 20 things that you could assign them to do. There's even some, like for our, so our software engineering coaches, are, yeah, all of our coaches yeah, are incredible. Yeah. Our software engineering coaches have actually said, here's some specific code that you can have them work on okay. during this time. So you're through your experience time. of saying, you're giving them examples going, they're gonna be about here in their learning journey. Exactly. These are the kinds of things you should be looking for in your activity that needs to happen that is relevant and that they would be capable of being able to do successfully. Exactly, that's it. Okay, okay. Which again, this is fantastic for the audience you're talking about, but as we think about employee transitions for new hires, or anything like that, that to me is one of the reasons why these transition plans, we need to be able to say, where is someone in their journey so that a leader can say, okay, so by about this point, they should be doing some of these types of things that are relevant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh boy. I, I've got like two more hours of things that I want to <laughs> dig into on this, but I don't think that we're going to have time on it. So, so let me ask this though. The, the one piece I'm curious of, at the end of this, so you said from the time they start with an organization and you say, okay, because I'm almost thinking this is kind of like onboarding, but it's like the new hire experience. How long is that multiverse high touch staying along with this person before you fully kind of cut the cord and say, hey, you're, you're with this organization now. We're, you're, you always have the alumni group, but now your allegiance is officially fully to them. Yeah. Uh, it's it's 12 to 15 months, depending on the track, is, is, the, is the duration of the multiverse program. Uh, however, a big part of, you know, learning doesn't stop, as I know everyone on this call, and you, like, <laughs> of course, I'm, I think I'm saying the net, the, the tagline. Are you show. saying and there's not just a destination you arrive yeah. to and you say, you know what, I don't need to learn anything else? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spot on. So... Um, a big part of what we think about is also kind of what are pathways and how do you actually grow through an organization as you continue growing. So for example, 
Maybe you come in, you do a, uh, our, you know, our digital business administrator track where you are learning business skills, learning data skills, and so on. You're kind of building that hybrid skill set at the start of your career. But eventually, you're going to move into people management roles. Is there an opportunity for you to come in and do a people leadership program track okay. where you're growing as a manager and so on? So there are uh, a lot of this is also still getting shaped as you think about pathways and as people grow through organizations. So, so people both. can re can re-enter because I'm just even thinking about a lot of organizations have new people leaders that they're like, I'm not really sure what to do with this group of folks. And at that point, you could say, hey, we're actually going to re-engage with Multiverse and yeah. pr start preparing them yeah. for that capability. Yeah, yeah. Anyone, anyone who's dealing with that can check out, like our people leadership program is unbelievable and it really is focused on this exact same model, but applied to leadership development and growth and, and really for first managers are stepping into these positions for the first time. So we are still, I'll be candid, we're still shaping, uh, uh, continue to grow and shape how we think about our pathways and, and kind of trajectories over the course. Because yeah. our goal is, we want that 18 year old who walks into the organization to, to be the CEO, to be sitting on boards. Like it well, yeah. is about a journey over time. And so and if you really think about shaping that path, that route to the boardroom, that requires learning and growth uh, 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 over time. And so, and so it, it is very much something that we are, we are building towards. Okay. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because to me, this cycle is potentially in some ways you could continue to grow this from a, we continue to have this, like you said, all the way to the boardroom where you just re-engage and it's, Hey, you're at this point in your career, you're looking to go from frontline manager to potentially a director where you're leading leaders type of a thing. And we're going to circle you back. And now you're getting to the executive level and we need to circle you back type of a thing um, to do that. And in some ways it's almost, in some ways it's almost last or learning as a service for an organization for some of these, for some of these audiences or the potential certainly there. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Okay. There was one other thing that I was going to ask you and I'm going to see if we can squeak it in with like the three minutes that are left, <laughs> but I, I need to think about how I frame this one up. Um, oh, so, so with this, so for an organization who may be saying, Hey, first of all, one, what are the focus areas that you have today? So that if somebody's listening and going, Hey, you know, we're like trying to solve this problem or fill these areas. I think I've got a lot of people in talent acquisition that, uh, that I connect with that say, what are some of the areas of focus that if some an organization said we need to we need to fill some gaps here? What are those today? Yeah. So software engineering, okay. data data analytics, it's our data fellowship program. Uh, our digital business program, which is a combination of business administration skills combined with data skills like visualization okay. and so on to really build that out. People leadership uh, and digital marketing. The, 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 in the U.S., there are more programs, kind of otherwise and, and globally, and there's some that are specific to companies and so on. But these are kind of our fi five of our core That's programs. Your core. Yeah, uh, okay. in the U.S. specifically, and then in the U.K. Uh, broader than that. Um, and then, so so continue to push forward on on that front. And then at, at the heart of it, right? Why should companies, you know, folks in companies even think about this and think about it? You know, beyond the fact that this is just an incredible opportunity for uh, these individuals, and really thinking about, you know truly changing lives and creating opportunities for folks who would not have had access to something like this. It, it, it is going back to what I had said uh, uh, 30, 40 minutes ago, it hits at the big, the, the, the capacity constraint that I know all these organizations are dealing yes. with. It's dealing with, with capability challenges from a digital and tech perspective and just overall skills perspective that, that companies are, ch are challenged with. And then finally, from a diversity perspective, the, the a gigantic priority that, that, that all of us globally, especially in the US, are and, and and need to continue pushing forward on is how we build a more diverse and equitable workforce. It hits on that point as well. And and then as a part of you know retention and everything like there's a lot more yeah, than yeah. that. Yeah. But basically like it, <laughs> I it, told you I was gonna throw yeah. you stuff like right at the end and be like, yeah. let's see what we can sneak in. <laughs> it 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 hits on all these pieces. And and so so you yeah. know happy to have conversations about any of this with anybody who's listening and beyond. But overall this is the right thing for society, it is, it is something that can really transform lives. And it just hits on the incredibly tangible business goals in, 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 in a way that that's just really exciting. Well, and you know, what's funny is like, like a lot of things I can see somebody might be listening or thinking about this and think, well, isn't that, you know, as a learning professional, isn't that taking away from what we do or from a, you know, just other, and it's like, no, because there is such a huge, huge need and so many big holes 
this is allowing greater capacity than what we can do. And I don't think I've encountered a single organization, HR, business, learning leader who said, you know what? We're kind of like, <laughs> we got it all figured out. Like, I don't know. There's really nothing left for us to do. I haven't met that person or organization yet. So I think the people who may hear that and go, well, that might be a threat to my well-being. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. If anything, this is just an ability to accelerate the great things we're doing. So, exactly. whew, all right, well, I'm going to stop because otherwise I'm going to start asking things and then we're going to go way <laughs> over. So, so Tej, I loved this conversation. Hopefully Me folks too. just took a lot, made you think differently about this. And uh, let's stay in touch as this continues to grow. I know we originally scheduled this a long time ago, and you said a lot has changed. So to me, this is a conversation that needs to keep happening. So Absolutely. I would welcome you back anytime. And uh, thank you for making the time today. Thanks so much. It's a All pleasure. Right. Have a good Talk weekend, soon. everybody.